Ladies and gentlemen, theys and thems, weavers of all races and subclasses, welcome to This Dungeon is Occupied podcast. My name is Illidine, and together with Thorne and Robbie as your dungeon-occupying story weavers, we wish to help you as players and dungeon masters from the aspiring to the veteran with questions, ideas, and sometimes interviews for your next tabletop role-playing game experience. All right, hey everyone. So we're looking today at Ranger, um, and we're taking a look at Tasha's Tasha's Guide um and also looking at xanathar's rangers today since we took a look at the player's handbook ones um earlier um i guess the first thing is uh what are first impressions from everybody about the rain about these rangers what do y'all think i mean i like it i i do like the optional class features uh a lot there's i mean you're losing the natural explorer if you take it but you get the deft explorer which i feel like it's it's on par i mean for deft explorer uh you're an unsurpassed explorer and survivor both in the wilderness and in dealing with others on your travels you gain the canny be- uh, benefit and you gain an additional benefit below uh when you reach sixth and tenth level so canny is you get to choose a a skill proficiency uh which is kind of nice so your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability checks that you use for that chosen skill and you can also speak read and write two additional languages so it's i mean natural explorer was kind of an rp heavy feature to begin with but this one like doubled up on it because you get that skill proficiency and you get to speak two additional languages so it just makes you a little bit more um well-rounded i suppose and then at sixth level, you get roving. Uh, your walking speed increases by five. You gain a climbing speed and a swimming speed equal to your walking speed, uh, which has all kinds of uses. And then tireless at 10th level, as an action, you can give yourself a number of temporary hit points equal to 1d8 plus your wisdom modifier, minimum of one. You can use this action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and regain all expended uses after a long rest. In addition... When you finish a short rest, your exhaustion level, if any, is decreased by one. That right there is huge at 10th yeah. level. <laughs> so OP. So OP. Yeah, um, definitely. Um, that I really like that, that getting rid of an exhaustion level and decreased by one really adds some extra flavor in that, in that tireless uh, feature. The next one that you get is Favorite Foe, which replaces your favorite enemy feature. And this one is actually really cool. When you hit a creature with an attack roll, you can call on the mystical bond with nature to mark the target as your favorite enemy for one minute or until you lose your concentration. Um, that's pretty cool. So uh, no longer do you get to, um, no longer do you have to pick like a, like a, uh, a race specific or like a, um, a specific like, being that's your favorite enemy. Now, you can just invoke that favorite enemy onto um, anyone who is in your way. And I like it. It adds other stuff too. The first time it's your turn, you hit your favorite enemy, you deal extra damage. And then you can use this feature to mark a favorite enemy a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. And you regain all expended uses when you finish the long rest. This feature's extra damage increases when you reach certain levels in this class, 1d6 by sixth level, 1d8 at 14th level, which is insane. And I, I really like that. That I really like that a lot because it gives you extra damage. And extra damage, especially at the lower levels, is you want it whenever you can get it. And the next thing that that adds on it is it has different ranger spells, additional ones, really. Yeah. Entangle. 
Searing Smite, Aid, Enhance Ability, Gust of Wind, Magic Weapon, Summon Beast, Elemental Weapon, Meld into Stone, Revivify. <laughs> I can never say that. Revivify. Revivify. Summon Fey, which is nice. Dominate Beast, Summon Elemental, and Greater Restoration. Greater Restoration Greater Restoration is one of the most underplayed spells ever. Yes. And it's it's nice because there there's always been a complaint about the player handbook rangers that they don't have enough spells because they get them kind of a little bit later. It's a slower process. They don't get as many. So this this gives a little extra, a little little oomph for everything. Um, and some of those spells, um, summon Fey and summon Elemental, uh, also come from Xanathar's guide. So they show up in Xanathar's and they show up in in Tasha's. Um, and then the next thing is we get a couple of different fighting options. So, oh, these are so cool. Yeah. Uh, so if you remember from the player's handbook, we had uh, kind of like a melee type uh, ranger. We had the long range ra- uh, ranger. These are a little bit extra to me. Uh, you you can choose blind fighting. So you have blind sight with a range of 10 feet within that range. You can effectively see anything that isn't behind total cover, even if you're blinded or in darkness. Moreover, you can see invisible creatures within that range, unless the creature successfully hides from you. And since you're a ranger, that doesn't happen often. Uh, You can get Druidic uh, Warrior. You learn two cantrips of your choice from the Druid spell list. Again, kind of big. They count as ranger spells for you. And wisdom is your spellcasting ability for them. Whenever you gain a level in this class, you can replace one of those cantrips with another uh, from the druid spell list. So again, just more more spells making you a little bit more uh, versatile. Uh, and then thrown weapon fighting. You can draw a weapon that has a thrown property as part of your attack you make with the weapon. In addition, when you hit with a ranged attack using a thrown weapon, you gain a plus two bonus to the damage roll. It's that dagger. It's that dagger thrower. Everyone wants to be the ranger that can throw daggers. Yeah, it's just like, oh, I see you. I see you. <laughs> and I'm, I'm gonna be honest. I've always wanted to make and play that character that just throws knives. I'm, I'm going a la like young guns mm-hmm. with, with fences. I mean, I want to be that knife thrower because it's just so yeah. cool. Uh, the next thing that we get uh, at second level is spellcasting focus. Um. And the fact that you get a focus, I mean, is I think cool. it's huge because focuses help with all of the like material stuff that doesn't have costs, so you don't have to worry if you're if yeah. you're story weaver or if you're a story weaver that uh, tends to track the the materials and you know at least has the player say, okay, hey, I go into the store and I buy these things, and you tell them, okay, two two gold or whatever for the entire pouch. Um, this helps them not have to remember that. <laughs> so much because um, it, it can be a point of argument if you know like oh well i mean you didn't go to the last town and buy your materials i think you're out <laughs> um so yeah you get that that druidic focus uh as a spell casting focus for your ranger spells druidic focus might be a sprig of mistletoe or holly a wand or rod made of you or some other special wood a staff uh, from a living tree or an object incorporating feathers, fur, bones, and teeth from sacred animals. There are a lot of ranger classes, like subclasses, that um, are a little more primal and a little more animalistic, especially if you follow uh, Unearthed Arcana on Reddit. Uh, so that spell focus, especially at the end, incorporating the feathers, furs, and bones, that's just kind of cool 
flair and, and flavor for your character. And I like the fact that it gives a focus because it actually draws out more of the spell casting ability right. of the ranger with the expanded spell list. It's wanting you to put more of a spell focus on rangers, especially when it comes to nature. And I think that that can only be a good thing. And the next thing is primal awareness, which we kind of touched on a little bit, I think, in the last episode, uh, where it, it was mm-hmm. primeval awareness, but primal awareness is more the interconnections of nature. You learn additional spells when you reach certain levels in this class if you don't already know them. As shown in the primal awareness spell tables, these spells don't count against the number of ranger spells you know. And it's speak with animals, be sense, speak with plants, locate creature, and commune with nature. I've always wanted to speak with plants. I mean, it's a fun RP thing. I don't want to know what your plants will say. I don't know what I don't want to know what your plants will say, Robbie. <laughs> His plants have secrets. <laughs> uh, the next thing that we have at fourth level uh, is martial uh, versatility. Whenever you reach a level in this class that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can replace a fighting style you know with another fighting style available to rangers. So if you happen to be uh, going to a a different area in your campaign or your story weavers campaign and you know that it might be better to to have a different type of fighting style at every asi so fourth level is your first one you get to change that up and uh, see what you like and then last but not least before we get to the archetypes is nature's veil at 10th level uh this feature replaces the hide in plain sight feature Uh, you draw on the powers Uh of nature to hide yourself from view briefly. As a bonus action, you can magically become invisible along with any equipment you are wearing or carrying until the start of your next turn. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus and you regain all expended uses after a long rest. So that's cool. I love it. I I like this one a lot better than hide in plain sight because we made the joke in the last episode that hide in plain sight we ripped off some paint and pretended to be the painting. You know, this, it makes more sense. You make a ghillie suit uh, briefly as a bonus action. It doesn't take as long to make the ghillie suit because I think it I think it took a minute to gather your materials uh, for Hide in Plain Sight. Nature's Veil is actually magically become invisible. So it's it's drawing on the magic of nature to make yourself invisible. Exactly. So that that's kind of cool. A little magic-y flair. Um, Let's go into uh, our new, our newer uh, ranger types or archetypes uh, with Fae Wanderer. Who wants to take that one? Um, I got it. I gotcha. I'll get Swarmkeeper. <laughs> well, obviously. <laughs> A Fae Mystique surrounds you thanks to the boon of the Arch Fae. The shining fruit you ate from the talking tree, the magic spring you swam in, or some other auspicious event. However, however you acquired your fey magic, you are now a fey wanderer, a ranger who represents both the mortal and the fey realms. As you wander the multiverse, your joyful laughter brightens the hearts of the downtrodden, and your martial prowess strikes fear into the ter- strikes terror into your foes. For great is the mirth of the fey, and dreadful is their fury. I personally love this archetype or or subclass. It's fun. I mean, just that story alone is just so much flair and RP heavy yeah. goodies that you can use. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and the very first third level uh, thing you get is dreadful strikes. You can augment your weapon strikes with mind scarring magic. 
drawn from the gloomy hom- hollows of the Feywild. You get a, you get to add one d four psychic damage to your targets, which can take this extra damage only once per turn. The damage de- increases to one d six once you reach the eleventh level. So this is again, like I said before, when you're lower levels, anything that gives you extra damage is a complete plus. And the fact that it's psychic damage can really add a different type of hit and you can describe what the hit looks like what the person is seeing what they feel it's it can be really really amazing rp yeah and i mean with just the name the fey wanderer right with the new um uh witch light uh source book that came out like this it's so complimentary uh to everything that we have and uh, i know at least a lot of our friend circles are playing a lot of Feywild campaigns right now. I have two going on right now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, just these, the RP stuff, and like you said, Thorn, with the extra psychic damage and being able to say, you know, instead of I just go, I go stab, I, I stab. Like, you are hurting the person's mind. Your Your strikes are so deadly that it breaks their brain the amount of different things that you can say and, you know, talk about how your blade might glimmer in the moonlight or something. It, it's just that extra oomph that, you know, story weavers and, and players alike really, really love. Uh, and going off of that uh, more magic, we get more spells. More uh, magic. <laughs> also at third level, we get the Fey wanderer magic, uh, which you learn an additional spell when you reach, uh, these levels, certain levels, as shown in the Fey Wanderer spell table. Uh, each spell counts as a ranger spell for you, but it doesn't count against the number of ranger spells you know. So again, more tool belt. Instead of taking away or replacing, we've just added things, which is huge, especially at lower levels. Um, but the ranger spells, it's uh, third, fifth, ninth, thirteenth, and seventeenth levels. You gain, uh, respectively, Charm Person, Misty Step, Dispel Magic, Dimension Door, Huge, and Mislead. I mean, all of those are pretty huge, especially, you know, like Charm Person at third level. That's a pretty big one. Uh, when that when those rolls land, uh, it's just chef's kiss. <laughs> and Misty Step, Misty Step, and we've talked about it before, is a deceptively awesome spell. Exactly. So, and this is what I really like about this is with, with Faye, you get the whimsy, you get the little bit of extra that comes with it and you get a Feywild gift and it's determined randomly because I mean, come on, it's Feywild. Most everything is determined randomly. You roll a D six and you can have several things, illusory butterflies flutter around you while you take a short or long rest. Flowers sprout, spread around you. Yeah. You faintly smell of cinnamon, lavender, nutmeg, or and and or another comforting herb or spice. Uh, your shadow dances while no one is looking. I love that. Very Peter Pan esque. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Horns or antlers. <laughs> horns, horns, and antlers sprout from your head. Is I, I think that that's one of the funnier ones. But when you think of, or at least when Thorn and I think of Fay, we're always thinking of the Seely Court, um, and. Having having thorn uh, uh, horns or antlers sprout from your head gives it that mystical, whimsical uh, feeling to your character. And you could be a human ranger, but have 
wandered or touched the veil between the Feywild and had this happen to you. So you've now taken what Thorn and I kind of joke around that human is kind of like the Blech character because we're all human and we'd rather play something else. Um, but you can take that human and make them extra special. And then the last one is uh, your skin and hair change color to match the season at each dawn. Again, whimsical. And could actually be a lot of different things because when you think of fall, there's red, orange, yellow, brown. I mean, we're talking several different colors for each season. And it's just the extra flair that that lands, lets the RP be better. Mm -hmm. And then an, another one that we get at third level is our otherworldly glamour. Your fey qualities give you a supernatural charm. As a result, when you make a charisma check, you gain a bonus to the check equal to your wisdom modifier, minimum of plus one. In addition, you gain proficiency in one of the following skills of your choice, deception, performance, or persuasion. So, I mean, you just made, like, especially if you're playing in a role-play heavy campaign, you've just mashed a lot of the bard utility with ranger. So now you've got kind of the best of both worlds there um, and all kinds of plot hooks and things. Definitely. And then you get the beguiling, the beguiling twists, the, um, the ability to use the magic of a farewell guards your mind. You have advantage on charmed or frightened. Uh, you have advantage on saving throws against being charmed or frightened. In addition, while you, while a creature you can see with 120 feet of you succeeds on a saving throw against being Charmed or frightened, you can use your reaction to force a different creature you see within 120 feet of you to make a wisdom saving throw against your spell safety seed. If it fails, the target is charmed or frightened by your by you, your choice for one minute. The target can repeat the saving throw at the end of each of its turns, ending the effect on itself on a successful save. It's actually really, really cool. I mean, it's it's the it's the lucky feat for charmed and frightened. <laughs> Well, but you can inflict it on, like, if it fails, you can inflict it on somebody else next by. One of you will be charmed and frightened, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> and really, one of my favorites is the next one. At 11th level, you get Fey reinforcements. The royal co courts of the Fey world have blessed you with the assistance of the Fey beings. You know summon Fey, a spell in Chapter 3. It doesn't count against the number of ranger spells you know. You can cast it without a material component. You can also cast it once without a spell slot, and you regain the ability to do so after a long rest. And whenever you start casting the spell, you can modify it so that it doesn't require concentration. If you do so, the spell's duration becomes one minute for that casting. Not using a spell slot for that spell is huge, because it could be very, very helpful. Definitely. I'm looking at the, uh, the face spirit right now. Nice. Yeah, I mean, come on, having fey helpers? Yeah. Why not? For sure. Uh, and then the last but not least on this archetype is Misty Wanderer. Uh, you can slip in and out of the Feywild to move in a blink of an eye. You can cast Misty Step without expending a spell slot, which is huge. That's ridiculous. You can do so a number of times equal to your wisdom modifier, minimum of one, and you regain all expended uses after a long rest. In addition, whenever you cast Misty Step, you can bring along one willing creature you can see within five feet of you. So now you've just teleported a friend. If you have a tank and you're like, hey, you want to get close to the thing? Yeah, bring me close to the thing. Okay, here you go. Boom. <laughs> and there you have it. Here you are. And no spell slot. The, the, the no spell slot thing is huge. Yeah, for sure. I mean, because spell slots are, especially in, in somebody that's not as 
uh, spell heavy, like the Rangers still not as spell heavy as wizards or, you know, sorcerers or any of those, but to, to save those unique spell slots can really be a help. Yeah. Final thoughts on the Fae Wanderer. Um, I think it's a really cool role play, especially if you're going to have a campaign setting in the Fae Wild. Um, it would be really cool role play to have this Fae Wanderer walking around. Um, add, it could add to the story. And then on top of that, it just seems like a really fun uh, cla- uh, archetype to play. It just has some cool abilities. It doesn't seem, um, it seems very versatile. So I would go with it. I might try it one day. Who knows? Yeah, I, I really like this one. I really do. I think it's very whimsical. I think it could lead to some really, really good RP. And to top it off, I think it would be really fun to play like an orc Fey Wanderer <laughs> just because of the complete opposites. Right. And to give them more horns on their head. And just, I think it would be so much fun to do that and just freak people out and basically just make an amazing character that could be fun to play. Yeah, and I mean, with uh, with the ability score increases, I always advocate for features, and we have a Fey touched uh, feature that you can add to it. So you're just adding more whimsical to it. Um, I think there's one more feature that has Fey, but the Fey touched is the one that that comes to mind. But that would be really fun to have because it gives you spells like Moonbeam, and it does give you Misty Step. But if you're uh, with a, a benevolent uh, story weaver, he might let you, he or she might let you choose a different spell for that feat if you're taking it, you know, later on in, in the campaign. So Bone Daddy, you wanted to, you wanted to take the Swarm Keeper. Oh yeah, the Swarm Keeper, one of my favorite ranger archetypes to play. Um, it's actually was the inspiration for one of my mo- my favorite characters to play in your campaign, Elodian, uh, Sorlog who had the uh, wasp hive living inside his body. And got shot in the face. Great. <laughs> yeah, but it was a fun time. It was a fun time. <laughs> um, no comment. Uh, <laughs> well, the cool thing about Swarm Keepers is, so I was playing Sorlog a little on the darker side of a Swarm, of a swarm Keeper Ranger, but the cool thing about Swarm Keepers is their deep magical connection to the world has bonded them with um, not just insects or not just like a swarm of, of creatures but in fact nature spirits and these nature spirits are potent forces in battle and as the swarm keeper you utilize them to enhance your abilities and to really enhance uh, the flavor of your spells tasha's guide also provides a really handy uh a handy guide to um how you would utilize the role play mechanics of using a swarm including how to cast spells that are more reflective of, of you having like this cloud of, of creatures around you. So I would take a look at that. It's under it's under the Swarmkeeper um, page and also is in personalizing spells in chapter three of Tasha's. So as the Swarmkeeper, you get this vibrant uh, community of nature spirits attached to you. And at third level, you get the gathered swarm ability, which allows you to turn this nature spirits into a more physical appearance and a different form. Now, the swarm appearance, you can either go with the D4, um, you could be like a swarm of insects, miniature twig blights, fluttering birds, or playful pixies. The swarm can really take a 
The swarm can take the form of anything that has like a swarm component to it. Um, personally, I like the idea of playing a swarm ranger who is more attached to the coast and has a bunch of little fish, like a school of fish floating around them at all times. That'd be cool. Yeah. You can call upon their assistance at this, at this, uh, with this feature. Um, the swarm can assist you in different ways. Uh, the swarm, the swarm can have, uh, can deal an extra D6 piercing damage. Um, the swarm can help you with your saving throws, including your strength saving throw. Or the swarm can, um, can have you uh, move something five feet in any direction, which is pretty cool. Like a kind of like a mage hand with the swarm. Um, at third level, you also get swarm keeper magic, which allows you to uh, get a enhanced um, spell list for your ranger, including fairy fire, mage hand, web, gaseous form, arcane eye, and insect plague which all seem very appropriate. Yeah, I like those. I mean, Fairy Fire is very niche, but it is useful. Mage Hand is one of those spells that I think people don't utilize it quite as much as they probably should. It's a cantrip. Um, you can use it anytime. Uh, no spell slots or anything like that, right? And you can use it for role play. You can maybe use it with added with stealth and maybe steal a couple of gold because you can lift five pounds with it. You know, I mean, the the uses are, are as endless as your creativity can be. Um, and then I think my favorite is just the last one, Insect Plague. Like, that's diabolical. I agree. And in the last... <laughs> And the next one at the seventh level you get, gain is Writhing Tide. And basically, you can use the insects or whatever your, your swarm is to levitate you, hover you, or you can gain a flying speed at 10 feet per turn, which as flying speed, I mean, that, that could be very handy. You might be surprised. And just imagine the effect of a bunch of birds or fish or, you know, insects lifting you up. And the RP content of it moving you. Even the mechanical uh, aspect of it. I mean, it, 10 feet gets you on top of a platform as a ranger and you're sniping people. If you're, if you're playing a, a long range sniper or ranger, uh, you can hop onto a, a, a platform and force your enemies to have to climb up and you can pink them with, with arrows as they try to travel up. So, I mean, that, that whole, you know, and it's one minute. Like that's I don't think people realize that one minute in combat is a long time. Ten turns. And imagine the imagine the uh the the visual of somebody just rising up, like being carried around, carried up by like scarabs. Wasps <laughs> or like scarabs are just like moving moving upwards, the creepy visual rising like Mothman, just a swirl of moths around you. Oh, I'd like to see it like the spiders from Australia just pulling <laughs> up with their webs. It's going to crap out of some people. The next thing is Mighty Swarm at 11th level, which gives you your damage of Gather Swarm increases to 1d8, which getting smacked in the face with a, by, by a bunch of wasps. I can see 1d8. Yeah. If the creature fails a saving throw against being moved by the Gather Swarm, you get to knock it prone. And when you are moved by the Gathered Swarm, it gives you half cover until the start of your next turn. Half cover is handy. Yeah. Very, very handy. And the the last one, uh, Swarming Dispersal, you can discorp discorporate into your swarm. 
avoiding danger. So you, I mean, Count Dracula, you know, turn into the swarm of bats. Yeah. Uh, when you take damage, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to that damage. Uh, you vanish into your swarm and then teleport to an unoccupied space that you can see within 30 feet of you where you re- reappear with the swarm. You can use this feature a number of times equal to your prof- proficiency bonus and you regain all expended uses after a long rest. I mean, that can be a roleplay heavy thing that can be mechanical, you know, dispersing. I mean, the mechanical of giving yourself resistance to a certain type of damage, like halving any damage is incredibly important, especially at 15th level where we're talking CR 20s and above are pretty much what we're facing half the time. Or even, I mean, you know, when we talked about it in a previous episode of Thorne's uh, uh, dream sequence with his characters, a swarm of 30 Gabos is actually deadly. Only slightly. But yeah, so what, what's everybody's thoughts on the Swarm Keeper? I love it. It is, it was such blast to play. Um, it definitely has a lot of, uh, it's not the strongest archetype. It's a very versatile one, but it's certainly not the strongest one, but it is fun to describe, fun to play, and I recommend it. Yeah, I think uh, the the role play, because, I mean, I am, as we all know, I am a very RP heavy type of story weaver and player for that matter. So if I'm going to pick something, I'm going to go all out with the descriptions of things. And if I'm, if I'm going to pick something, I think the Fae Wanderer is probably going to be the one that I'm going for. Um, although the Swarm Keeper and having a swarm of pixies around, if the Story Weaver allows me to um, animate those pixies and, you know, like how we all know pixies can be, um, think of uh, the Harry Potter movies where the pixies were uh, destroying that room. Having a swarm of those things is ridiculous. Um, and just side note before Thorn uh, does your uh, your last minute thoughts in Tasha's there is a Beastmaster's companion expansion uh, for the Beastmaster archetype of the player's handbook there's a beast of the sea beast of the land and beast of the sky but um, they're basically expansions on the Unearthed Arcana um, that I forgot had been published in Tasha's which is my own bad but um, they uh, it basically allows you to shift the um, the beast into a spirit instead and if it's a beast of the land they can take the form of any beast of the land that's a medium creature or a beast of the sea same thing a medium creature or beast of the air it has to be a small creature but they all get specific abilities based on what uh what part of the land they are from so and and i like the swarm keeper if you want to bring a just a little bit of horror to it and i would personally would bring like butterflies and anybody that's seen the tv show the magicians would understand where i'm coming from butterflies can be terrifying (laughs) because i mean for those who haven't there's a character that's like a bad guy that has butterflies that swarm his face and you can't see him so it's it's very it can be very rp heavy and very terrifying if you do it right it can always be very beautiful too i know somebody who played a swarm keeper ranger who she was a princess who had also had butterflies and they would make up her dress and she would walk around and she would release the butterflies from her dress to um, do things for her as she was moving 
about the castle. Um, so now we can move on to Xanathar's guide. Um, in Xanathar's, we get a little bit more uh, flavor, I guess, in the beginning, because we talk about um, the view of the world and you have like a you can do a D6 chart or just pick one of what your character's view of the world is. So, for example, towns and cities are the best places for those who can't survive on their own, which is number one in the chart. And number six in the chart is cities breed weakness by isolating folk from the harsh lessons of the wild. So you get a little bit of flavor, you know, kind of similar to the uh, bonds and ideals uh, that we choose for our characters. And then we also get um, some homeland choices. Um, and examples are you patrolled a ancient forest darkened and corrupted by several crossings to the Shadowfell, which is number one in that chart. And number six is you wandered the far north, learning how to protect yourself and prosper in a realm overrun by ice. So just a little, little extra RP. Um, and then you have the... Uh, uh, some new like uh, sworn enemy every ranger begins with a favorite enemy or two the determination of a favorite enemy might be tied to a specific event in the character's early life or it might be entirely a matter of choice what spurred your character to select a particular enemy was the choice made because of tradition or curiosity or do you have a grudge to settle uh, and some examples of sworn enemies uh, number one is you seek revenge on nature's behalf for the great transgressions your foe has committed. Uh, and number six is you respect your chosen enemy and you see your battle as a test of respective skills. I like that. Very Spartan. Mm -hmm. Very flavorable. And it, it lets you expand however you want. Right. So which archetype do we want to start with in Xanathar? Let's start with... I mean, let's start with... The Gloomstalker? Yeah. Okay, I was like, uh, <laughs> are, are we on the same page? <laughs> yeah, we do. So the glue soccer is the... Oh, you can go ahead and do this one, actually. My bad. No, you're good. Uh, I, I was just going to say that I actually really like this one from Xanathar's. Um, I, I'll, I'll let... Uh, the bone daddy uh, read the rest of it but I just want to read this flavor text gloomstalkers are at home in the darkest places deep under the earth in gloomy alleyways in primeval forests and whoever else the light dims most folk enter such places with trepidation but a gloomstalker ventures boldly into the darkness seeking to ambush threats before they can reach the broader world such rangers are often found in the underdark but they will go any place where evil lurks in the shadows <laughs> And um, I would like to read the flavor text underneath it where it says, uh, so you sneak around in the dark. You know, most everything but humans can sneak in the dark, right? We all see you. Tiptoeing doesn't turn you invisible. Because <laughs> 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 it, it, like the Gloomstalker is very, um, every time I talk about the Gloomstalker, I'm always thinking like the Gloomstalker is very much a, like if someone's trying to play like a really edgy character. They're like, oh, they sneak around the oh, darkness. Oh, it's it's edge lord, you know, status. Yeah, like, <laughs> like I'm sneaking around the darkness and uh, go on, They say they hunt the things in the darkness and nobody dare venture in. But, but I always argue there is a good way of playing an edge lord. Yeah, of course. I mean, they're they're actually really cool. So they they get some pretty cool magic magical abilities. So Gloomstalker magic gives you access to disguise self, rope trick, fear, greater invisibility, and seeming. Disguise self at third level um, makes Gloomstalker a very uh, versatile 
ranger and gives a, an option that most other rangers don't have, like the ability to blend in with your surroundings and blend in with the people around you. Um, this kind of reminds me of like a rogue or like a trickster cleric. Like you're like, oh, I'm just gonna, I'm I'm now one with the people and I'm watching everything around me. So yeah, and there's always the the ancient rope trick um, ploy in combat. You know, you you cast rope trick, you climb up the rope, you bring the rope back up with you, uh, whether if you have a companion do it or if you do it as an action. And then each turn, you pop your head out, pick uh, pick off some people, and then go back into your little special rope trick hole. Um, there are ways to counter that as a story weaver, but having that is is, is nice. And then it's fear, greater invisibility, and seeming. Seeming is really cool. It lets you basically cast this guy's appearance on anybody you want to within 30 feet of you which if you're trying to stealthily get into some you know kingdom or castle or library anywhere you can basically make all of your companions look however you want them to which can be very handy the men of many faces from game of thrones honestly that's what seeming is to me after that uh also at third level we get dread ambusher uh, you master the art of the ambush. You can give yourself a bonus to your initiative rolls equal to your wisdom modifier, which is big because honestly, we don't get a lot of initiative roll bonuses uh, straight out of classes. It's usually feats that give that to you. Uh, and then at the start of your first turn of each combat, your walking speed increases by 10 feet, which lasts until the end of that turn. If you take the attack action on that turn, you can make one additional weapon attack as part of that action. If that attack hits, the target takes an extra 1d8 damage of the weapon's damage type. Ooh, that's a really good third level, really third level like ability to receive. That's like um, you're getting you're getting an extra you're getting the extra movement. And then you get an additional weapon attack on top of extra damage. You're essentially getting your very own surprise round. Like, yeah. <laughs> and next, next is Umbral Sight. I love this. I absolutely love it. Because if you're a creature that doesn't have dark vision, you gain dark vision. But if you have dark vision already, it gets extended, which it never happens like that. Where usually it's, you know, you gain dark vision or you don't. If you have it already, you just you're kind of ass out. But this one actually extends the range by 30 feet. And it says you are also adept at evading creatures that rely on dark vision. And while in darkness, you are invisible to any creature that relies on dark vision that that sees you that can see you in the darkness. So it makes you invisible to dark vision and extends your dark vision. Which is awesome. Completely. It's it's so it's a really good feature of this of this archetype. And then at seventh level, you get Iron Mind. You have honed your ability to resist the mind-altering powers of your prey. You gain proficiency in wisdom-saving throws. If you already have this proficiency, you instead gain proficiency in intelligence or charisma-saving throws, which is really, really cool considering... So if you're already proficient in wisdom-saving throws, and you can, it, it, it's nice that it gives you the alternative options where you can either choose intelligence or charisma... But that's pretty good. Like you're, you're you're resisting most things that would either charm you, um, try to like scare you, um, try to lure you in. Like, pretty good. Yeah, because I mean, the frightful presence of any dragon, uh, having proficiency add to your wisdom saves, is definitely a chef's kiss moment. Because you know, if you roll and you're like, oh, I, I got a sixteen, and you're facing an ancient dragon. 
that's not going to make the DC. But if you're proficient in it, oh boy. Yeah, definitely. Uh, the next one is Stalker's Flurry at 11th level. Uh, you learn to attack with such unexpected speed that you can turn a miss into another strike. Once on each of your turns, when you miss with a weapon attack, you can make another weapon attack as part of the same action. So it's not even taking your action economy away. It's just like, oops, I missed. All right, boom. And you get a, a it's a lucky feat type of thing for that action. Um, and then the, the next one over for 15th level is a fun one. Shadowy dodge. You can dodge in unforeseen ways with wisps of supernatural shadow around you. Whenever a creature makes an attack roll against you and doesn't have advantage on the roll, you can use your reaction to impose disadvantage on it. You must use this feature before you know the outcome of the attack roll, which is kind of cool because if you know that these guys are heavy hitters, you know, like an adamantine golem, you can just say, hey, shadowy dodge beforehand and he's swinging with disadvantage. That's that's a big help. Shall we reach the horizon? We can go into the horizon and ride into the sunset. <laughs> ah, yes. The horizon walker. Oh, uh, I'll go. <laughs> the horizon walker. It guards the world against the threats of the multiverse and then other planes that seek to ravage the mortal realm with otherworldly magic. They seek out planar portals and keep watch over them, venturing into inner planes and the outer planes as needed to pursue their foes. These rangers are essentially are essentially that cool wizard from that recent movie from the mouse guarding the multiverse. No, I take that back. They're the cool trickster god from the mouse. There you go. Guarding the multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> Very similar. They are the they are the the force. They're actually the force that comes out in that show yeah from the mouse and you you know again we get these the the horizon walker magic uh which these spells again at third fifth ninth 13th and 17th level uh most of them are interesting the third is kind of okay-ish uh at third level protection from evil and good fifth misty step ninth haste which is ginormous 13th banishment which robbie has had fun with uh, and 17th level teleportation circle. Yeah, and, and banishment's my favorite out of those. Robbie, banishment? I don't know. I, banishment, I mean, I like teleportation circle also, because that seems like I, I like I like using teleportation circle. Typically don't get to use it as much as I like, because it's such a late game spell, and then I never like get the opportunity, but I would love to use it more often. <laughs> you never live that long? I never live along or I die. Well, yeah, I never live along or like I do something terrible. Or you or banish an NPC that's holding a sentient sword that takes over your body. You mm, know. That too. <laughs> and then immediately make a character make my new character burst out of the that poor NPC's neck. Poor NPC's <laughs> neck. Yeah, yeah, I know. It was it was a very interesting spin of events. Um also at third level we get two more. Uh, detect portal you gain the ability to magically sense the presence of a planar portal as an action you detect the distance and direction to the closest planar portal within one mile of you once you use this feature you can't use it again until a short or long rest uh, see the planar travel section in chapter two of the dungeon master's guide for examples of planar portals those examples are just things like a portal to the feywild a portal to um, the shadow fell things like that you can you can sense these things and you can sense where the veil 
kind of thins out and you can uh, have a whole campaign uh, in the Feywild and your story weaver may dislike you because he didn't expect that, but you detected the portal early and you're now in the Feywild. Um, the next one is Planar Warrior. You learn to draw on the energy of the multiverse to augment your attacks. As a bonus action, choose one creature you can see within 30 feet of you. The next time you hit that creature on this turn with a weapon attack, all damage dealt by the attack becomes force damage. And the creature, have to turn the page, uh, takes an extra 1d8 force damage from the attack. When you reach 11th in this class, the extra damage is increased to 2d8. Again, extra damage is paramount. Anytime you can take that, do it. And next is at seventh level, you get you get ethereal step, which I'm kind of struggling to figure out how that's not misty step, but you can only use it once. We don't have it seems yeah, it seems kind of lackluster to me. But basically it's it's misty step. You get a step into the ethereal you're using the etherealness spell. Uh, without expending a spell slot and but once you use this feature you can't use it again until you finish short or long rest it is nice that they balance it out though with a short rest because if it was just after a long rest like i would never ever use it i just i I would just learn misty step (laughs) exactly and the 11th you get distant strike now this one i like Mm -hmm. a lot You gain the ability to pass between planes in the blink of an eye. When you take the attack action, you can teleport up to 10 feet before each attack to an unoccupied space, you see. If you attack at least two different creatures with an action, you can attack a third one also with the same action. That is huge. And then at 15th level, you get Spectral Defense. Um, your ability to move between planes enables you to slip through the planar boundaries to lessen the harm done to you during battle. When you take damage from attack, you can use your reaction to give yourself resistance to all the attacks damage on this turn, which is so cool to do. And I didn't realize this is the 15th bubble <laughs> feature that you got. That's awesome. Yeah. Like, it's just taking your resistance to whatever attack type is hitting you is fantastic. And then you're like taking almost half damage to it. So. Yeah, and then uh, just because it it is a funny flavor text uh, in the top corner of the book, you can't walk to the horizon because it keeps on getting farther away. Boom. Did I just blow your mind? I did, didn't I? I just... (laughs) Some of these one-liners are really, really funny. Um, Final thoughts for this one for me. Some of the features are lackluster. I mean, Ethereal Step, like it's cool that as a bonus action, you can cast the spell. Uh, without expending a spell slot but then that's it so I, I guess you could since you know the spell you could use a spell slot to cast it again if you really needed to but it's kind of a niche thing um but distant strike and spectral defense are really cool i i think that i would probably give this one three and a half stars you know it's it's kind of one of those like well they tried <laughs> Well, my feeling about it is it's it's very my problem is it's very story specific. Right. So not every story that you are that you are running or weaving will have planes. Like oh not everyone wants the multiverse, not everybody wants like planes to other dimensions. And so when I think about when I think about the horizon walker, I think about a planar heavy campaign 
where the ability to sense portals to other planes would come in handy and where the ability to move in between planes and be like this planar warrior would be something that would be a pinnacle part of the uh, of the story. Um, especially if you don't have any, like if somebody's like, I want to be a horizon walker, that means you automatically have to include planes because that's its ability. I mean, I guess you could flavor it differently um, if you wanted to, but essentially as a the horizon walker, it has to deal with multiverse, like deals with other planar energy. And so if somebody's like, I want to be a horizon walker, your story immediately is going to have planes of the, yeah. the multiverse. And as a story weaver, remember that, yes, you can say no. Uh, but honestly, as far as like when I'm story weaving, I try my best to just say yes. Now, if it's going to completely destroy everything and I have to rewrite something for a specific class, no, nah, man, I'm going to tell you like, hey, I, I didn't write anything about planes in this campaign. Do you mind changing it to something else and or helping me? reskin it like robbie said you know reskin the planes to something else maybe it's you're a continent jumper um maybe you're a city jumper something like that instead of you know this this multi-year use thing um and there is there is one more in this this guide uh thorn uh, do you have any final thoughts on this one before we go to monster slayer yeah i mean this this to me is a little bit Strict. I mean, guarding the planes and all that stuff. I'm not big on that. It's almost paladin-like to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think I would want to play Horizon Walker just because I don't see. I mean, they could be fun in some spots, but I can see some definitely drawbacks to it. Yeah. Um, but if that's your thing, you know, go for it. It it, it could be fun. You just got to talk to your your story weaver and make it fun. Yeah. And if reskinning it. I can see, you know, changing some things and making it better, but uh, as for what it is, it's, it's definitely not my favorite, but if that's your thing, have fun. Yeah. And I mean, especially if, if it is your thing, I'm sure, you know, we doing this episode, we, we've read this, you know, a few times, but we haven't really like delved into it a lot, like as in making a character and playing through it. So if you're playing through it and you find a, a use, then, I mean, more power to you, you know, that's, that's something that you get only with hands-on experience and actually playing the character and saying like, oh, well, in this situation, I was able to use the ethereal step, uh, like a boss and it saved our entire party. I can't think of a situation like that, but you might be able to get into that situation. You never know. Um, so moving on to our last one of the episode and of Xanathar's guide, uh, monster slayer. You have dedicated yourself to hunting down creatures of the night and wielders of grim magic. A monster slayer seeks out vampires, dragons, evil fae, fiends, and other magical threats. Trained in the supernatural techniques to overcome such monsters, slayers are experts are experts at unearthing and defeating mighty mythical foes. Uh, and you get such feats as uh, Monster Slayer Magic, Hunter Sense, Slayer's Prey, Supernatural Defense, Magic User's Nemesis, and Slayer Counter. The spells are, some of them are common and and actually pretty good. At third level, Protection from Evil and Good. Fifth, Zone of Truth, kind of a niche thing, but cool for RP. Uh, Ninth, Magic Circle. Thirteenth, Banishment, there it is again. And seventeenth, Hold Monster, which is huge. Um, I... 
if you can pick hold monster, always pick hold monster, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And the rest, I mean, like Hunter Sense, I mean, that's basically, you know, you get a, you have the ability, gain the ability to peer at creatures and magically discern how best to hurt it. Uh, as an action, choose one creature you can see within 60 feet of you. You immediately learn what the, where the creature has any damage immunities. I mean, basically, you're just you're using it to see what's going to hurt the creature, what can't. Exactly. It's very similar to uh, some of the other rangers, other rangers' abilities as well. It fits perfectly. Um, the next one you have is uh, their level of Slayer's Prey. Uh, you can focus your ire on one on one foe and increasing the harm you inflict on it. As a bonus action, you designate one creature you see within 60 feet of you as the target of this feature. The first time each turn that you hit that target with a weapon attack, you deal an extra 1d6 damage from the weapon. This benefit lasts... In- I mean, that's... Yeah. I mean, that's... That's that's good. And, I mean, it, it is just Hunter's Mark, you know? Um, exactly. <laughs> so they, they renamed it, reskinned it. Um, but... It is what it is. <laughs> well, that on top of uh, Hunter's Mark, so you could cast Hunter's Mark still and use Slayer's Prey, and it's just you're dealing what if Hunter's Mark is one d six as well, it's an extra two d six extra damage. Yeah, it's useful as hell. Um, I mean, it, the any like like we've said all all episode, anytime you can get an extra damage, do it, especially at third level where a cat can be deadly. <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, like a a cat can do, uh, I think it was 1d6 slashing damage with its claw. An NPC has six health points. Like, it could die from just pissing off a cat. So at third level, any extra damage to get the battle over with quickly uh, is definitely an an awesome uh, feat. Um, And moving on from that, uh, supernatural defense. At 7th level, you gain extra resilience against your prey's assaults on your mind and body. Whenever the target of your slayer's prey forces you to make a saving throw, and whenever you make an ability check to escape that target's grapple, add 1d6 to your roll. So this is a its a bardic inspiration. That's super cool. And next is Magic User Nemesis. It's an 11th level thing, which I think it's kind of cool. You gain the ability to thwart someone else's magic. When you see a creature casting a spell or teleporting within 60 feet of you, you can use your reaction to try to magically foil it. The creature must succeed on a wisdom saving throw against your spell save DC or its spell or teleport fails and is wasted. And again, you can only use it between short and long rest once, but that right there can be really huge. Especially like if, if... You haven't told your your friends, right? You're at the table, you're playing this role, and you all level up to level 11, and you just, you know, hey, what'd you get for level 11? Oh, I got this thing called Magic User Nemesis, no big deal. And then in the middle of a combat, somebody's trying to teleport, and you counterspell that thing? Yeah. Like, all of a sudden, like, the entire table's gonna start screaming, and you're a fucking hero. So... (laughs) It's it can be really fun, and it's one of those like hidden things um, that you know, like like Thorne said, you get the one use during a short or long rest, but at the opportune moment when the BBEG is about to die, and your story weaver is going to have him uh, do a tactful retreat, that counter spell is clutch. And the last one, uh, Slayer's counter at fifteenth level. 
you gain the ability to counterattack when your prey tries to sabotage you. If the target of your slayer's prey forces you to make a saving throw, you can use your reaction to make one weapon attack against the quarry. You make this attack immediately before making the saving throw. If your attack hits, you automatically save in addition to the attack's normal effects. Boom. Yeah. Like just mic drop right there. Like that's it. That's done. You know? <laughs> I mean, you tried and you failed. Stab. It's very it's a very combat heavy uh ranger right here. It really is. With this monster yeah. slayer one. I you know I might I would I like try it. this monster slayer one. I like it too. Yeah, it sounds fun. So I mean there you have it, guys. Um these are are the extra uh published uh ranger archetypes. There's a gajillion more, um, Unearthed Arcana, um, there's D&D Wiki, um, there's, uh, there's some homebrew ones in D&D and beyond. They're a little more sparse, but there are some. Um, you know, take a look at a lot of these. I, I think they're worth playing, you know, at least once, or at least, you know, I, I tend to look at these archetypes and make NPCs based off of them. You know, I never make too many level 20 NPCs because that's just ridiculous. But having somebody who has the flavor of some of these archetypes can be really fun. Um, and it gives a little bit more depth to your uh, your NPCs in your world. So that's that's my two cents. What about you guys? I really, I, I like the, the, the archetypes in Xanthar's and Tasha's both. Um, and I like the NPC or the the archetypes you can find that are homebrew and D wiki has some of my favorites, but the, the gist of it is, is, is if you want to play a ranger, there's nothing holding you back from just exploring any of them that you want. If you like the idea, make a character. Cause that's what this is about. It's fun. So have fun with it. Don't be afraid to look at D and D wiki, uh, unearthed arcana, uh, D and D beyond. Look, look at all of them. Look at every single one you can. Wait, we're supposed and to have fun. Just, yeah, yeah, just definitely. fun. <laughs> yeah, like thought I was supposed to win. Like Elodine and Thorin said, like just have fun and like you know, like when you when you go in and you're you're going to play the Stormkeeper, um, you know, you just want to make sure that you pay the best like ranger archetype that exists. Oh, the best. Okay. You know, like <laughs> I would forego the um, I would forego all the other archetypes. And just, you know, use the Swarmkeeper because why not? Insect, you know. <laughs> According to Bone Daddy Robbie, there is only one archetype for There's Ranger. only one right choice. <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to play your game. And it'll get you shot. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to tell you how to play or story with your games, but like, who is the best Ranger archetype and why is it the Swarmkeeper? <laughs> all right, guys. Uh, weavers all. Uh, thank you again for listening to another episode of This Dungeon is Occupied. Uh, if you have a story, you used one of these characters before, and maybe you used that ethereal step uh, like a boss, uh, shoot us an email at thisdungeonisoccupiedpodcast at gmail.com. We will read that story on the podcast, and we will absolutely get a kick out of it. We love hearing stories. Um, it's 
I mean, that's what we do. If we're not playing, we talk about other games that, hey, you remember when, you know, and we we do that all the time when we're sitting around and drinking with our friends. Um, and if you like this content, we do have a Patreon. You can help us support with as little as a dollar and gain access to our Discord channel, uh, as well as some other goodies. Uh, so check that out at patreon.com slash this dungeon is occupied. And without further ado, as Thorn aptly said, have fun. And as I always say, steal everything. And remember to check your dungeon because this dungeon is occupied. <laughs>